Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. I'm Michael Bernstein. I'm the rabbi of Congregation Gesher Torah. Today we are looking at Psachim Pevav, the 86th Daf. As we come to the end of our parak, we deal with the issue about who may eat from the Passover sacrifice and where it may be eaten. There are specific rules. One may not just simply indulge in the meal, but has to register beforehand and register with a particular chavura, a particular group, companions, to eat the meal together. And, as we're going to see, there's a major difference of opinion between Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yehuda, two Tanaim, about how to interpret the verses that dictate the rules, both about the place of this registration and the freedom, or lack thereof, of moving around once the meal has begun. What is interesting on a number of levels here is that the difference of opinion is understood by the Gemara to have to do with an exegetical principle that Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon also differ on. But here are the basics. The two verses in question are Exodus 12.7 and Exodus 12.46. And depending on how we understand these two verses we come up with the following approaches. What Rabbi Yehuda says is that in 12.7, it refers to the houses in which the sacrifice will be eaten. And from that uh, conclusion, he says that it is possible that the groups may register in advance, not only for separate places in one house, but even within separate houses completely. However, in 1246, the verse says that the sacrifice, Ye'achel, at least the way it's understood in the, the context of the verse, will be eaten in one house. It seems like a very clear pronouncement that the Passover sacrifice must be eaten in one house. However, Rabbi Yehuda, while not denying that the word is said, Ye'achel, understands that while it's written, it could have been pronounced yochal, and in which case it would not refer to a sacrifice in the passive being eaten in one house, but the participant, he will eat in one house, saying that the rule is that each participant may only eat in one house. And in fact, not only in one house, but in what we would think of as in one room or one space in one house. And so Rabbi Yehuda comes to the conclusion that groups may register in advance for different places, whether in one house or in different houses, to eat from their sacrifice, but that each individual must then be locked in place and eat it, not only in that house, but in that very space. Rabbi Shimon, on the other hand, reads it the opposite way. He reads that it is says, Yeachel, very clearly that verse says the Passover sacrifice must simply be 
eaten in one house. However, since it says batim in the first verse we mentioned, he understands that that means that once a group has reached the place where it's registered, then they may split off to different places within the house in order to eat. And there is some difference of opinion of Rishonim, of later commentators, of exactly how much freedom is given to move around, whether individuals may move around or the whole group may choose a different place. But the basic idea is that Rabbi Shimon reads Yeachel as simply meaning Yeachel. This sacrifice must only be eaten in one house. The implication here is not only in the planning, but as we'll see in the Gemara, in what are the effects when spaces change within the house, such as a partition being put up or a partition falling down. And we'll see in a moment an end with that idea. But the exegetical principle is given and worth looking at. It is as follows. Rabbi Yehuda holds that the Mesoret, as it's put here, the written form of the Torah has value as a source of interpretation. And therefore, since yesh aim lemesoret, since there is something to this um, written interpretation, he allows himself to understand that even though the pshat in the verse, the contextual meaning, is, the, is it will be eaten in one house, that contained within the written is the possibility of reading it as yochal, that he, the participant, will eat it in one house. Whereas Rabbi Shimon holds the opposite, yesh aim lemikra, that the power of what the Torah has is in the pronunciation, that we understand it as pronounced, meaning it will be eaten in one house, and there really is no wiggle room to understand that, at least in this case, as the participant will eat. And therefore, as we've seen, Rabbi Shimon understands that the entire sacrifice must be eaten in one house, but because the verse mentions batim, or the Torah mentions batim in a different verse, houses, he allows for this freedom of movement. So the question that is raised by the Gemara is what happens if people are eating and a partition is raised in between? Suddenly, you have a situation where you were eating in one house or one space and it's become two. And according to Rabbi Shimon, is this a problem? Or in the case of Rabbi Yehuda, where the people are eating in their places, they've, they've assigned two different places beforehand, but, um, and they're sitting frozen in their spot, according to what Rabbi Yehuda says they must do, because he must eat in one place, each individual. And then suddenly, a partition falls, and they're introduced to a new space. There was a partition in between group A and group B, and now it fell, and they're all together. Must they stop eating, because it's as if they've moved into a new space? And what's interesting is that the Gemara first comes to the conclusion that, yes, according to Rabbi Yehuda, they must stop eating in this situation, and that in the prior situation with Rabbi Shimon, where the partition is erected, in this case also, it's a problem, um, because even though an individual may move about, the entire group cannot suddenly find itself being uh, uh, split and put into two totally separate places, because now uh, one group has become two. And 
this seems to be the conclusion based on understanding what Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Shimon separately understand as the requirements. In the end, however, Rav Kahana and Rav Ashi have a different approach. And this is what I think is an incredible way to end this uh, parak. Rav Kahana says to Rav Ashi, these are the, the rules, Amarle Rav Ashi, Rav Kahana, Tibayalech Ibaya. You should look into that a little more. Why? Siluch Mechitza, Viasiat Mechitza. Mi have kishne mikamot kishte chavurot dame olo. Is it really the case that just because I put up a wall or took down a wall that I've really changed the reality, either for the case of Rebbe Shimon creating two chavurot, two separate groups because a partition has been created, or in the case of Rebbe Yehuda creating a new space because the partition has fallen? And the answer that's given is teku, which is a great word because teku, as we know, means let it stand. We can't resolve this. But literally, let it stand. Let the partitions be or not be. It doesn't really, according to this uh, answer, it's not really clear how real they are. And what I like about this is that it talks about something fundamental. These borders are constructed. These partitions that rise and fall are a construction. They're not really as powerful as the chavurot that we have formed, the companionships that we've already formed, or the spaces that we have intended to form. And it's very ironic on Pesach, this very holiday where we talk about freedom and this feast of freedom, which in our modern day is one of the most freeing meals that we can have, even though it has a seder, it has an order, it has a lot of rules to it, we can do it in a way that's creative throughout our house, throughout our community. In those days, the rules extended even to the extent of how creative you could be about who you had your Pesach meal with and exactly where it was and how rooted you were. But there's this hint at the end of the parak. Maybe we're missing the point. As these partitions rise and fall, they're not really as important as the chavura that's created, the companionship that's created, and the space that's created. It's not put exactly in those open terms by the Gemara, but it's hinted at. The construction is deconstructed as we come to the end of this parak, which deals with the strict rules of eating the Korban Pesach. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.